Good morning, everyone. So before I got transferred here to the cathedral, I worked at Carroll College for 16 years. And one of the things I miss most about not being there as their chaplain is football masses. So these masses are fine. You guys are great. You're wonderful. Okay. Be affirmed. But there's nothing like football mass. The whole team there right before they play. So the intensity and the focus is just phenomenal. And then afterwards, greeting the players as, as they get ready to play. I'm reminded of one in particular. We have this very gospel, Jesus cleansing the temple. So saying goodbye to the men after the, the mass is finished. And then one of the coaches comes up. He was the D-line coach. He was all-American defensive lineman at Carroll. He comes, he gives me a big hug, and then he looks at me and he goes, Father Mark, I love angry Jesus. I love angry Jesus. What a line. What a good line. I love angry Jesus. Do we, I wonder, do we love angry Jesus? We should. At the very least, we have to contend with angry Jesus and not try to domesticate him or to make him simply nice. We love to do that. We love to niceify Jesus, which I know is not a word. It's a ridiculous sounding word. But we love that. We love to niceify him. And you know why? Because then we don't have to change anything in our lives. Jesus is nice to me. He's just nice. But friends, nice is not enough. Nice is not enough. And nice is not what Jesus is. Jesus is holy. And he is passionate. And he is loving. And none of those things really have much to do with niceness. Certainly not the way we understand niceness to be. So this gospel, it's very well known. People know this story. And probably the most common interpretation is this. That this is how Jesus approaches corrupt, organized religion. And we're all like, yeah, go get them, Jesus. Go get them. Right? So you guys say, yeah, get those loser priests who don't preach hard enough about the topics I want to hear taught. Go get them, Jesus. And then priests are like, yeah, get those loser bishops who don't make good decisions and don't give us good leadership at times of crisis. Yeah, go get them, Jesus. And then the bishops go, yeah, get those losers over in the Vatican who confuse people with different things. Go get them, Jesus. And that's convenient and nice because having Jesus take somebody else to task is really a nice thing. But friends, this is how Jesus approaches us. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? But wait a minute. If Jesus did what we just heard in the gospel to the temple, but I am the temple, oh, oh, wait a minute. How does Jesus come into the temple? And what does he find in my heart? Years ago, a priest came to give a series of reflections 
to the priests of the Diocese of Helena at our fall gathering. And an older priest asked him how to make Christianity appealing to young people. It's a good question. The priest said, well, at least don't present it as a harmless spirituality. I was like, yes, thank you for saying that. At least, at the very least, do not present the Christian faith as a harmless spirituality because it's not harmless. And if we niceify it, if we domesticate it, so it's just about being nice and good, or as Flannery O'Connor said, having a heart of gold, then you'll just see young people walk away because it doesn't matter then. It doesn't mean anything. See this, Jesus loves sinners. He loves sinners. And it is precisely his love for us that necessitates a hatred for sin. St. Thomas Aquinas said that. He said the whole of the Christian life is loving what Jesus loved from the cross and despising what he despised from the cross. So he loves us. He loves sinners. And he loves us from the cross. And that very love necessitates a despising, a hatred of the sin that is in my heart and your heart. Think of it this way. A good oncologist hates cancer precisely because he or she loves his or her patients. Because he loves the patient, he hates the cancer, and he actually wants to eradicate it, every single cell. Well, how much more, then, does Jesus want to eradicate every single sin from us? Everyone. And that, brothers and sisters, is not a harmless spirituality. Opening yourself up to a God who loves like that means being willing to say yes to some serious soul surgery. That's not harmless. It's not easy. It's not painless. But that's how Jesus loves us. See, his anger that we see in the gospel, it flows directly from his love for us. Precisely because he loves us, he gets angry. Because he wants to set things right. Again, Aquinas, anger is the appropriate response to injustice. Jesus looks and he sees the way sin takes over our lives. And it is not just because we belong to God. And sin has no place in us. And so he wants to clean things out. He wants to eradicate things that don't belong. Now listen, we have heard it so often that Jesus is compassionate. Is he? Yes, he is compassionate. But what we haven't heard probably enough is that there is passion in Jesus' compassion. Zeal for your house will consume me. When the apostles see Jesus doing what he's doing in the temple, they're reminded of that scripture. Jesus is passionate. His sacred heart is on fire with love. And that flame 
is what bursts forth in the gospel. Brothers and sisters, we should actually want angry Jesus to come into our lives. We should want him to come. We should want the Jesus who flips tables over, who makes a whip and drives things out. We should ask that Jesus, because that's the real Jesus, we should ask him to come into our hearts. Because we need him. We need that Jesus, the real Jesus, not the domesticated one, not the niceified one. Now follow me on this. Are any of us really happy in our sinfulness? Anyone? Is anyone really happy stuck in sin? Of course not. Sin makes us miserable, and it does more than make us miserable. St. Paul says the wages of sin is death. And if we're honest for just one second, we know that those things need to be removed from our lives. And we should do it, except that we can't. Except that we can't. We need help. We need a savior. We actually need angry Jesus who loves us enough to enter into the temple of our hearts and flip some tables over and drive some things out. Jesus knows that because he knows us. Here's a great line from John's gospel, the gospel we heard. Jesus did not need anyone to testify to him about human nature. He himself understood it well. Jesus knows our human nature. Because when he took on our humanity, he took on all of our human nature, except sin. He knows us. He knows that we have divided hearts. He knows that we're wounded grievously by original sin. He knows that we act upon that wound and then make it worse through our actual sins. He knows us. He knows that we let things into the temple of our hearts that do not belong there. And he knows that once we let those things in, we can't get them out on our own. He knows all of that. And he loves us. And so he comes to us, and he comes with compassion, yes, but also with passion. He comes with a passionate love to remove those very things. That passionate love is a fierce love, even an angry love, because he wants to cast those things out of our hearts that keep us from being who we really are, and keep us from being fully alive. So brothers and sisters, what needs to be cast out of the temple of your heart today? What doesn't belong there? What have you invited in that shouldn't be there, that needs to be cast out? Right there, right there, in those places, with those very things, that's where Jesus wants to act today. That's where he wants to move. And brothers and sisters, we should let him. 
We should encourage him. We should love angry Jesus.